0: Welcome to Almost Here, around the corner of future technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies, ways to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs from Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, around the corner of technologies. Today I have Shane Scranton, uh, the founder of IRIS VR, IRIS Virtual Reality. Shane, how you doing?
1: Doing well, thanks for having me on, Rich.
0: Yeah, um, if you wouldn't mind, just you know, let listeners know in the VR space uh, what IRIS is doing.
1: Absolutely, so we are uh, focused primarily on VR right now in architecture, construction, and engineering. Uh, my background's in architecture, and I got into this space to build software around these different industries, so they can walk through a building before it's built and better understand the space and uh actually be able to move through it.
0: I've seen <coughs> you know renderings three d videos that kind of stuff where you can kind of fly through a building and of course you know minecraft has really like popularized this um How is your application do you think like different or better
1: than than what's out there right now yeah yeah um so the, I mean, there are a lot of screen-based applications for moving, moving through a building. I mean, the, the the core issue from from sensors then computers is architects and designers and builders have tried to figure out how to represent something that's unbuilt that is inherently very spatial, right? If you're if you're designing a building, you're trying to figure out how to put it together. It's really helpful to be able to look at some sort of rendering, some sort of animation to understand assembly details or to get a client to understand the space. And VR is really I mean, the best way to do that so far, there's, the, there's really no other medium that, that is, takes up a lot of the abstraction. If, if I'm looking at a floor plan or even if I'm looking at a screen doing a fly through, you're inherently trying to understand how big that space is just based on your memory of how big you know walls are and how big a window is. Um, but in VR, because you get that spatial sense, there's really just a tremendous amount of value in being able to look around and and get that scale. And it bridges the gap between like the plan and what someone's actually experiencing in the space. And so, you know, I think it, you mentioned Minecraft and sort of the idea of these other, these other solutions, let's call, let's call them solutions, even though that's a video game, but there's these other ways to experience um, elements of 3D, but being able to actually walk through a true to scale model in VR delivers so much value in understanding a building and understanding the elements that go into a building.
0: Yeah, I've done uh, VR at, at CES Las Vegas this year. Um, but the thing I saw there, I don't know how you guys solve it, is you, know, you can't walk around very much, first of all, because of the cords from the VR. And second of all, you know, there's no room to, like, walk all around the, uh, the you know, into other booths and all over the place. So if someone, if, if you design, like, a big building, you know, even a house, how does someone walk through the whole thing? Are they Are they on, like, a treadmill with the VR headset? Or, you know, how do you do that?
1: this is it's it's been a very difficult challenge I- iris because we're software we work with any 3d file file that's dragged into our system so we don't touch the file ourselves our engine processes it on the person's computer so we really have to we even from the very early days of our company it was how do we deal with an arbitrary environment that's loaded into our environment with without any you know sense of what that might be what if there's not even a floor in it or what if there's what if there's uh you know what if it's a football stadium and you're in a small room so A lot of our early interface studies, a lot of our early sort of movement studies were around that and the best way to to actually get yourself from point A to point B. So where we landed now, because we're on the software end, we're supporting uh, the commonplace headsets that have emerged. So the HVC Vive and the Oculus Rift. And these headsets are working on their own interface devices. The Oculus started with just a gaming controller, um, but now both have these motion wands so you essentially, you can see them in the space that you hold onto them and you can move around your hands and you see your hands move in, in virtual reality as well. So our solution is uh, essentially a teleport solution to some point where you want to go, squeeze the trigger and it'll take you to that spot. So you can move around your like local right. environment, but any sort of macro movements you're doing with a, with a laser hand.
0: So what do you guess the solution will be um, to be able to, for people to truly you know, walk through spaces that are virtual, but walk, I mean, would they have to be on, um, you know, like a treadmill or something, or what do you guess would work?
1: I think the treadmill, I think there will be a treadmill esque application in the future. There is like, there's like the Omni, there's a few treadmill devices. I think that um, we have a lot of theories around VR and AR in general, like there's, there's a hassle to getting set up in that sort of infrastructure. And right now we've seen that we're at this tipping point where like sort of the, the burden of setup is is well outweighed by the value of the experience. I think adding mm-hmm. a treadmill and a harness to that equation could could really turn the balance back to just making it too much of a hassle to set up. So I'm actually pretty hesitant right. around like any sort of treadmill type thing. I think that we're approaching an ease of use with like Oculus and Vive that really makes it right, worth right. it. Um, to answer your question though, in terms of larger scale motions and true to scale walking, uh, I think that's AR. I think we're we're seeing a lot of, Motions towards like the HoloLens and, um, you know, in the future, other devices where you'll, you'll be able to freely roam because you'll be able to see your surroundings. So you could, like, let's say, go, to, go onto a job site, get your digital model overlaid onto that job site and really walk around as much as you'd like. So I don't think VR gets us there. Yeah. I think VR, you will always be teleporting. I think AR is really when you're fully moving around. Yeah, I've seen,
0: um, again, from gaming, you know, I've seen combinations. Um, you'll click forward and you'll zoom into the next room. But then when you're in the next room, then the virtual reality, you could look around. So if you, maybe if you segmented it like room by room where someone could, you know, um, that's probably what you do is you click or intend to move forward into the next room and it goes, and now you're in the next room and you can look around and stuff like that. But I guess the intermediate might be the tough part.
1: Yeah, it's interesting Between you mentioned rooms. the 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 motion element of it. We're, the way we do the teleporting right now is you sort of point and click and it it brings you in sort of one blink to that that space. So you could teleport into another room, you could teleport into you know, the exterior of your model or the interior. You really do have free range of motion. Um, but uh, the reason it's a blink and there's not any sort of acceleration or or like translation is we found that in general, if you're in VR and you're standing still in real life, you, you have to make sure that there's no artificial movement in VR so you don't you don't get nauseous. There's all these challenges with VR being sort of in this virtual world that your brain expects to feel sort of however you are moving in real life. So we, we right. played around a lot in the very early days, like with gaming controllers, where if you're sitting still, you can still turn your body left and right in VR. But that was like instant nausea. It made people very sick. Huh. very um, So now, like, if you want to turn left or right while sitting still, we essentially in increments blink you left and right and that way you don't sense any motion and you're a lot more comfortable. So I could talk for hours about the the nausea and motion sickness elements of this because it really has created quite a lot of design and interface challenges for us that we that we have to create creative solutions for.
0: That's well, important to talk about. It. I mean, I've been on those rides like in Las Vegas where you you know, you're like in a little booth and it it makes you feel like um the booth may be mounted on like big shock absorbers. And it makes you feel like you're going on a roller coaster and those things make me sick pretty quick. So it makes you know it's important. Yeah. People don't want to be turned off by VR and you don't want the, to have a problem where people say, Oh yeah, that stuff's cool, but it makes me sick. I can't do it. So no, I understand as, how
1: important it is to address these issues, you know? It makes it makes the stakes very high for good software because we, we, we like to tell our customers like, look, Oculus and Vive have figured out comfort. Like they know the equation to not make people sick. So it's up to the software developers to like adhere to those rules. And the you know the the, the downside of all this technology is that if, like you said, if if a person tries a bad experience to start and it makes them sick, like that's a very bad introduction to this technology. And we have the right. technology how to not make people sick. So it just has to be used in the right ways. And uh, because we're an enterprise, we joke a lot about how like th- you know these are high stakes meetings that VR is being used for. This is like an architect presenting to their customer. Or someone coordinating how a building gets built, like we don't want nausea to be part of that conversation for obvious reasons. These are like professional meetings with people that are tep- typically pretty sensitive to to Definitely. technology in general. I
0: can see also be beyond just the architecture, but redesign, uh, retrofitting. You know, the same room is there. Yeah, you see it, and then you could say, Hey, would you like to see it with our new design in place? Put on the VR, and you're in the same room but now it looks the way you want it you know, in the new mock-up and someone can experience it right then and there. It seems Absolutely. like that would be a pretty cool
1: application. Yeah, we've had customers do, like they'll actually bring a client on site that's doing a renovation and they'll do a walkthrough of the space and then they'll bring them into like the VR room and be like, okay, you just saw the space as it is today. You know, here's where it's going. And um, we have some customers yeah. that will show different design options of that. Be like, you know, this is what it looks like if you put your you know, furniture here, if you do this carpet or do this, this fixture here and um it's a very good way for the customer to both get the the real space understanding of it as they move through it and then be able to see it in VR and they can envision it better in their mind
0: have have you guys um set like a variable teleport distance or turn distance that the user can control you know what if you um said hey there's like you know five settings you can make yourself move foot move forward or left or right you know uh, yeah, really fast or long or short and have people adjust it. Do you, have you tried that and does that help people? Kind of customize their VR experience
1: to what they like. It's interesting you bring that up. We're um, uh The reason it's interesting is we've in the early stages of our development just decided to essentially make it as turnkey as Possible and sort of as out-of-the-box functional as possible so we actually made the decision to really just have one setting that people can interface with And of course, as our product gets more mature, and as we have more developers, and as we have more bandwidth, um, there is the concept of starting to tweak settings and starting to have the idea of customizing the experience per user's preference. And one of those big elements is like, is is your preference for moving around the space. So right now our teleport laser, because you have motion controls, you can point either close to your feet to move a small distance, or you can point really far away to move a long distance. Okay. But we're playing around with like having a parabolic arc. So like you can't you can't teleport a mile unless you really want to. We're having other interfaces that allow people to tweak the sensitivity of those settings. Um and I think long-term that really matters for VR is people to feel like they are in an experience that is their own and you know a company like Iris isn't dictating their experience. It really just gives them the ability to choose their own experience inside of VR.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I keep flashing back to video games I played. You know, you like explore a mansion and try to find out who killed so and so. And and it's funny in those interfaces, you can look certain directions, certain ones you can't. They have stuff jiggle or be highlighted if it's something you can examine more closely. And I wonder if, if that would be helpful to apply those same rules to your VR experience. You know, like allow people to look at certain stuff and not others. Or if there's certain features you want the person to look at, they could jingle or you know um, a color will come off of them or a, a halo or something like that to show them that what
1: they could interact with and what they might not be able to you know oh it's, i mean it's funny you mentioned that too because we're i mean i'm i'm a gamer <laughs> as well and most of our team is it's sort of hard not to be in, be in VR at all because i mean so much yeah. of our technology is gaming technology and i like to i mean i joke with my friends that i'm doing i'm doing a combination of all of the good stuff architecture gaming technology you know, building computers. We sort of, VR hit the nice sweet spot of all of these different technologies. But I mean, I can give actually concrete examples of games that we've pulled inspiration from. We're, um, we're working on collaboration right now in VR. So if you see uh, the idea of right now you're alone in VR, you're sort of in the building by yourself. In the future, we want multiple people in the space. And we've been talking a lot about like, well, if you have two people in the space and your client on the other side of the building between a few walls, how do you see them? So we are actually, uh, Overwatch is a fairly famous uh, video game that's out recently, and um, the way they, they've solved that, where if you're playing with teammates, you can see them through walls. So we're taking a lot of inspiration from that in terms of how we do that user interface in VR. Um, we're also, <laughs> just because I know you're a gamer, I'll keep giving some of these examples. Um, Dishonored great, has this really interesting teleport mechanism where you can go up on ledges and this is really helpful. Right now, our teleport system doesn't allow people to go up onto a roof, right? it's line of sight. So we're taking inspiration right. from that to allow people to go up onto things that are outside of their line of sight. So, oh, yeah, we're pulling a lot from video games.
0: Yeah, I mean, just I guess one more that would be really useful is Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really cool with how they move character. your, your – yeah, it's really cool how you can move around the game and teleport places and, and all that
1: absolutely and it's, I, you know it's sort of what i and that's what's been really interesting about this whole company for me is where there is so much that has been figured out with real time technology and like specifically the gaming like how do you deal with 60 people interfacing in an environment at once how do you deal with navigating complex environments like how do you deal with texture compression and shader, shaders and mesh optimization and um, a lot of this the gaming industry has been on for quite some time and there is this sort of gamification technology arriving in industry, whether it's medical or construction or architecture, and uh, we can just pull a ton of cues from that. And it 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 makes it an incredibly um, sort of interesting venture for us to combine that in a professional use or utility based way. There's fewer shotguns, yeah, what, so to speak, yeah. and fewer orcs, <laughs> but there's this new technology. No, 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 around. it's great.
0: It's great. So, what, yeah, what, I mean, you know, because you can look at it two ways you can look at architecture and all this other stuff. And yeah, you want it to be professional, but you know, if people have a fun experience seeing your model and it's not just like dry, okay, I see this, that, the other, it would be more engaging. So what have you seen anecdotally? Like what features do your clients love that maybe surprised you and
1: which ones do you think were important that they're just like, eh, who cares? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. We're, um, there is a, I, we talk a lot about the concept of like joy and how it's very easy for enterprise software to just really sort of dry out and lack any sort of emotion. And I think the companies that do enterprise well, really well, like Slack, um, really have this joyful aspect to them that make them enjoyable to use and, and, um, get a lot of retention that way. And, um, we've seen that there's like, uh, the concept of, of physics is something that people love in VR. Um, so we've done tests where like, you can move your furniture around, and the second we apply physics to that, and what I mean by that is like, if you pick up a chair, it can drop, or if you throw a chair, it actually bounces around the, the room and like, can, can actually sort of adhere to the laws of gravity. Um, the second we do that, people turn into five-year-olds. I mean, we'll do these user tests <laughs> where people come into a fully furnished space, and they just trash the space because they, they realize they can throw things. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're a 70-year-old partner at an architecture firm, Or, you know, a construction worker, like, you're going to go in and just turn into this child. (laughs) Um, So now we're trying to figure out ways to, like, allow people to explore and have fun, but, like, maybe have a reset button or some sort of undo just so people can, like, go back to work when they need to.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. Again, like a movie. Let's say they trash the thing, and you have the magical cleanup, and things fly back into place, and broken glasses
1: get fixed, it's just like in a movie. That would be really cool. Yeah, exactly. And and it, it's been funny to see those features because they're they're not that useful, but there is an element to like if I want to rearrange furniture in a living room to see a different assembly, that is incredibly helpful. So I think there are these these elements that can that can have some utility, but can also allow people to have fun and. Uh another example is we found at conferences we show this one model a lot of times that has a piano in this like center of a living room and um we'll find that like at conferences people will usually teleport to the top of the piano and start dancing and it's really funny it's like there's <laughs> there's there's something about VR where folks will forget that they're in a public room in a convention center and because they're so <laughs> immersed in the virtual model that um a lot of people sort of uh uh more uh, childish sides come out sometimes which is fun to watch. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. that's
0: yeah. really cool. Hmm, interesting. So, what's what's on your guys' roadmap for 2017 and beyond? Yeah, what, what's like a one or two near-term projects? What, uh, what's an ambitious goal
1: for you guys over the next few years? Yeah, an ongoing project um, continuing every day is a whole bunch of our technology is how do you get very large? amounts of geometry and large files into VR quickly. So much of the comfort conversation is around performance in the headset, so you need to hit 90 frames a second, it has to be really low latency, and as you can imagine, if you're loading up a hospital that's a couple gigabytes in size or a, or a really complex bridge, um, these models are not easy to load. So while we can load most models now pretty quickly, there are still, of course, the airports, the hospitals, the really big infrastructure projects that our engine really struggles with. So uh, behind the scenes, m- about half of our team is working on that engine ongoing. We we have the goal of not, of, we want our users to not think about file size. We never want them to have to consider mesh compression on their end. We want to just load any file of any size anytime. And so that's ongoing. Um, that's sort of the less sexy feature. The, the more, you know, user visible ones are, um, we're doing ongoing work around how do you annotate and how do you do, um, Essentially, like annotations and markups in a space, a lot of VR is used for okay, review. Okay. So, like moving through a building and doing a punch list, or creating callouts, or um, leaving notes for someone, and and creating to-do lists. And a lot of that right now is is done just with this Parker tool we have. But I think there's a lot of interesting elements we can do around giving or reviewing a space and marking it up. Um, but by far the most requested feature and the one that Uh, we're working on and I'm sure many other folks are working on as well is um, How do you do collaboration in a more meaningful way? I mentioned this with the concept of multiplayer and how we're pulling that from some video game examples Um, but how do you loop multiple people into the space and actually have a meeting in your unbuilt building and walk through it together and call things out and really treat it as a virtual meeting room and um, As you can imagine that's that's incredibly valuable. It can save people plane rides. I mean literally this industry is collaborating among many hundreds of stakeholders on many different projects, and they're flying around the world to work on these buildings. If you can even save a couple of trips, it's just a tremendous value to the to the end user and to the to the professionals in the room.
0: Well, it seems primitive, but I thought about you know like holding classes in Minecraft. You know, if they added some more features, for instance, and you can talk and other people can hear, you can teach them how to build stuff and walk around and show them things. So I'm guessing oh, the VR will do that much better, but you know the, the idea
1: came, I thought of it, you know, in Minecraft. Why not do that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you
1: can imagine, like if you're if you're building a if you're building a high-rise in New York City, where we are, right? You're you're going to bring the client onto the site. You're going to bring the engineers onto the site. You're going to bring your GC onto the site. The architects will show up, and you have this group, and you're going to do a walkthrough of the building and its progress, it's making. If you could do that instead, you know, at your desk in VR. You're saving everyone in that meeting a tremendous amount of time, and there's just there's such a real world value there. But you brought up another example, which is education, and like you, you mentioned, the classroom and having people educate. And I think that that is one of the reasons Facebook acquired Oculus. I mean, they, they envision a future where there really is this this sort of social interaction, whether that's educational or not, um, where people can join essentially a session and interact in a meaningful way. And uh, I, I'm I'm very excited about that future. I think it could be incredibly meaningful. Yeah. Last question and to
0: any um, other types of interactions that I haven't thought of that people will be surprised that people want to want to have in VR.
1: Yeah, I, I think that we've been surprised with um, how much people see VR as a creative medium. I think it's it's in no small part due to like tilt brush. And there's some of these other early VR applications that allow you like paint in space or create things in space. And I think that there's a tremendous amount of potential for VR to unlock creativity in folks. And as you can imagine, we're working in the design world. So a lot of our industry is very interested in what how do how do you make VR creative and how do you create things in VR? And we've been surprised at the amount of requests for that. Okay,
0: yeah, well, very good. Very good. Uh, anything else that uh, you think we should have covered? I know there's a lot to talk about, and I just keep throwing out ideas that you have from left field. But uh, anything you want no. to bring up, we didn't talk about.
1: Um, n- no, this has been fantastic. It's uh, it's great to talk to uh, someone so so deep into future tech as well. Um, we're we're trying right now to get people to test our platform and and give us feedback. So if you have an Oculus Rift or a Vive, you can download our stuff for free and uh, take it for a spin. Yeah, great. Tell so yeah, listeners great where can they do that? It's on irisvr.com. Our company's irisvr, Iris VR. Uh, and it's it's all available for free. We have a freemium model. So um, people can use That's the great. engine for free forever. And then there's some pro features that they can upgrade to, but we're really trying to get people just to just stress test the engine now and, and uh, get their stuff into VR.
0: Okay. Well, very good. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Shane, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was a good interview and, uh, Again, it's, it's really cool stuff. I can't wait till it uh, becomes more widespread. Thank you so much, Richard. Yeah, we're excited too. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast post to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.